Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. you pet stylists, you found the Groom Pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird. Hey Susie, hi there. So what's up this week? Well, it's raining. Because, you know, we can, <laughs> we got some... here too. We had the beginning of our monsoon. Oh, damn. I hate it when it rains. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I know. It's dreary. Although I'm not good when it's really hot either. So I'm kind of looking at this as a everything needed to be washed off. You know, it's nice and cool. But it's episode 374 of the Groom Pod. That is way more important than anything else. Cool number. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're getting up there. It's May 21st in Snohomish, Washington and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors, Best Shot Show Season, Evolution Shears, Groomore, and Stazco. And if you guys would like to support us, you can do so at our website, thegroompod.com, and use the donation button for a one-time donation or join us on Patreon. And this week on the Groom Pod, we're talking about big dogs and whether they're really worth it to do or not, and especially in the mobile. And we're going to learn about vinegar. What's new this week is brought to you by Groomore Software. If you haven't found Groomore, you're missing out. Groomore is an all-in-one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groomore has everything you need. 24-hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop mobile or house call, Groomore has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. Okay, I'm going to start off by the confession about last week's audio. So we released and basically unedited, but edited heavily show because I screwed up the audio for 40 minutes of last week's show. The audio was messed up and I tried to fix it as best I could, but I couldn't do that and also do the regular editing. But we had a nice show and I didn't want to lose it. So I put it out there unedited, which is hard for me, but it was so good and so much uh, good information in it that it went out anyway. And I just wanted to get that off of my chest. I bet you everybody's going to love it. You know, you, you know like, it's like few people see de- hear the detail that you now as an editor, as an audio editor here. It's like good enough grooming. You know, I bet it's good enough audio. Well, if you listen carefully in the background, you can hear my rooster crowing and the parrot destroying a piece of cardboard or something. (laughs) It's really funny, and I'm sure probably people wouldn't think anything of it. Nowadays, I still watch CNN and the person being interviewed has a dog barking in the back of the house, and they just mention it. You know, they just acknowledge it and go on. It's no deal anymore to have household noises on your 
interviews and your professional work. Well, okay? con consider this a after the fact notice that that audio was not easy and I'm sorry about it. But 374 episodes, I've only screwed the audio like maybe three times total. So I guess that's not so bad. You're a master editor, Susie. It's one of the reasons that the groom pod is distinct from others. Well, thank you. It's definitely a labor of love. You groom us. <laughs> I love it. You make me look good. I do. You make I... me sound good. <laughs> you never edit out my F-bombs. Thank yeah. you. No, I leave but... most of them in. Are you kidding me? That's comedy gold. <laughs> Let me be myself. Oh. I love it. Um, okay. okay, enough of the love fest. You know what I noticed this week? I oh. groomed in my six or so days of grooming seven dogs that are over 12 years old <clears throat> in one week, one week span. That's a lot of aging dogs. And some of them, of course, like people, they age at different rates. So I've got the 12-year-old dog that seems like he's 18. And then I have the 19-year-old dog that seems like he's 15. But it's still, it's heartbreaking. I, I go and I practically cry every time I leave, not knowing whether they're going to be there next time or not. One of them, I, I think, is probably more lumps than there is dog left on the dog. You know, just fatty tumors and more fatty tumors on top of fatty tumors and then a skinny dog underneath at this point. Those are my Springer Spaniels. I've got two that are about the same age, and they're going to go at about the same time, and that's hard. <sighs> I, I, uh, I have, for some of the same reasons, I have a hard time saying goodbye to my winter customers who, who get either, either just visit for the winter every winter or actually live here but escape for the summer, like Charlie the Bichon announced as we said well do we make another appointment he said yeah you're gonna need to put me down for the last part of september oh so much can happen i know you know so much can happen just like uh and and hildy the norwich terrier the owner gave me an extra hundred bucks because she wasn't sure they'd be bad oh it's so hard it's the worst part of our job is like 16 and kind of having some downhill shit it was hard on her to uh, have to close the door on her appointments and um you know i i know what you mean it's just really hard to see that coming and really hard to let them go into the unknown even though shit can happen right here at home yes shit did happen i got the best excuse for Missing a grooming appointment. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Hi, Barbara. My wife and I are in the hospital because we were hit by a DUI in a bad accident, and we'll be here for at least two to three weeks, and I'll get in touch with you when I can. And then he said, I'll get in touch with you in Arab when I can. And I s texted back, or maybe even in English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's awful, though. But I have to apologize for allowing my humor button to be pushed. <laughs>
And he sent me back a happy face. Oh, man, his wife needs in-home care and all kinds of special stuff already. Uh-oh. And they got slammed by a drunk driver. Oh, fuck. You just don't know what's going to happen. I am so glad I don't have to leave the house today. Once you've been in the once you've been in the grooming for in the grooming. Oh my god, did I just say that? Once you've been grooming for a while and you've like in my case coming on 20 years of being in people's houses, you start to realize that some of these people aren't going to replace their dogs. That's heartbreaking. Some of my best customers have lost the last dog and not they wanted to be able to travel more or something like that. Okay. I, I'm here when you decide you want a little buddy again, you know. <laughs> and I encourage the older folks to get another dog and I'll find it a home after they're gone or I'll make sure that their kids take good care of it or whatever. You shouldn't have to go without a dog. Lucy, the Cocker Spaniels owner, he was just devastated because she was his sidekick. She was just like right by his ankle. Up until the last few months where she suddenly went blind and downhill from there. And he was heartbroken. And I figured out she was gone. We we groomed her three, maybe three or four times post-blindness. And he was already grieving. And he texted and said, yeah, I had to put her down and I'm not ready and all of that. And I said, you know... Your mind might not be ready, but your heart is ready. Your heart is ready for a companion and a buddy. And I I just encourage you to act sooner rather than later. And a reason to get up and a reason to go outside. Reason to know what time it is. They they bark at me after 7 p.m. if I haven't said them. (laughs) Since I've lost my diabetic cat, my other cat, he didn't. Realized that the schedule we were on was for the diabetic cat and not necessarily for him. <laughs> so nine and nine on the dot, he starts going meow, 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 <laughs> like hello, hello, meow, oh, lady. And then it then it kind of heart. it kind of transfers into meow, 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 and he goes and sits in the kitchen meow. Meow, but it always starts with the hello, hello. Oh, now the bird's doing it over here. I know you probably didn't hear that. <laughs> you just meowed. <laughs> Changes. I hate change. I'm not good with change. What have you been doing this week? Well, that was it. I just groomed seven old dogs <laughs> and a bunch of younger <laughs> dogs. I mean, it was really a completely uneventful. Oh, you know, I've made friends with my Japanese client, and we did a baking class together. And she has this cat, and her mom passed away. Now it's just she's there by herself. She's my age. She's feeding the cat too much. And the poor cat has been tortured for its whole entire life with having to have his belly shaved and groomed by me every few months when it's a short-haired cat. He doesn't really need anything, but it keeps me going to the house. It's kind of funny. And I know that's why the poor cat gets groomed, and I feel really bad about it. And he's just getting grouchier and grouchier. Well, she has just been taking out the loss of her mother on feeding the cat. Uh, So I had to finally say, Yuka, I can't hold him up if he gets any heavier. 
I'm not going to be able to groom him. And I know that she'll probably do something about it for fear that I won't come by every month. <laughs> it's a funny situation, but I need that cat to be skinny. At least he was very cooperative. You know, sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. It's a new experience every time sometimes with these cats. Yeah, and you have to plan for that. You cannot plan for it to be like last time with a cat. A dog, you kind of know, oh, he's like this. Got to set out all your stuff. Yep. Have the, I have to have those gloves the, ready. The, <laughs> the muzzle, the e-collar, the trach saver harness. I mean, everything that I can have in my arsenal, the nail clippers, the brushes I'm going to use, the clipper blade already attached to the clipper, the plug in the drain of the tub. I do everything before I even start on the cat. But if I can't lift it up, it's all a moot point because she wants her belly shaved. <laughs> so that was it. But otherwise, yeah. I'm busy looking forward to our big adventure coming in South Carolina where we're going to tour the Hanvey facility. That's going to be really neat. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the Hanvey Lodge. Right. Where we're going to sit on the edge of the lake and just do nothing. Okay. I'll probably be out there with my laptop working on my coat damage. This is starting to look like my trip to England. Every day I was involved in working on the next presentation all the way through England, Scotland, Ireland. I was working on the next presentation on somebody's dining room table or kitchen table or somewhere yeah i just can't stop preparing and i have been like deep this week into my coat damage webinar that i'm gonna broadcast on june 19th at 10 30 a.m and it can be and it's part of a whole weekend of coat and skin presentations i'm so excited about it i'm gonna be preceded by Ashley Hanvey talking about doing therapies in mobile, by the way, mobile. And I'm going to be followed by Chris Sertzel doing two hours on skin and hair stuff. So I'm uh, hugged in by two wonderful speakers. I'm looking forward to our day. The, and that's just the second day. The first day is loaded too. But I'm doing... You know, I can't do the same seminar over and over again. I've never been that kind of a presenter. So every time I present my coat damage seminar, I do more research on what's happened in the last two years and what I now know and what can I draw into it. And then the problem comes, what do I take out that I did before? Because because I've always had close to a hundred slides for a two hour presentation. And that's just too much. <laughs> it's too much. And it it's just sort of like killing your babies, getting rid of these slides, slides that I've had for years, you know, that have worked for me, but I have to cut out because I'm putting in stuff about, Oh, more technical stuff that I've learned about the surface uh, quality of hair and how it functions and what we accidentally do to it in grooming and how grooming is wear and tear people. And uh, 
And that's exactly what it does. It wears and tears the hair cuticle. And I just have to help people understand the reality. And I have to help people understand the reality of skin and hair as contrasted with how it's marketed to be. So the marketing has just interfered with our understanding of the science and the facts about skin and hair. I got to address that. And I'm going to address curly hair and why it's different and how it can be damaged and how damage can be managed. So I'm really digging into the the understanding coat damage. And I and unfortunately, due to some technical issues with uh, Google Drive, my more elaborate description of my, of my webinar, everybody else has elaborate webinar descriptions. During the first hour, I'm going to talk about this, 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 and this. And during the second hour, we're going to talk about that, 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 and that. Well, no, mine just says, we're going to go deep into the hair shaft and discuss the science of hair. And it's way more than just that. It's not just the same old trip that I've taken before, but it's just the 2023 version of how hair is damaged and what our part in it is. How's that? Sounds good. And this is a webinar that might change how you groom. Uh-oh. Well, we love those revolutionary thoughts. That's what we count on you for. So what else went on this week? I served as a backup groomer for my friend, Crystal Dunn, who has a packed schedule. And somehow one of her Westie clients got out of sync with her schedule, had to travel, something happened. She fell out and she couldn't get back in. And Crystal so nicely suggested me. And I love that because uh, I'm a great Westie groomer, period. I really do a nice Westie. And I was so honored to be trusted with her client. And I approached it that I was going to support Crystal's styling. I wasn't going to try to redo it in any different ways. And the truth of it is, when you're both groomers that understand the breed profile, you're going to have pretty much a similar Westie. So when the customer says, well, I'm really happy with how she looks, but she just needs to be cleaned up and tidied up. That's what I did. But I did it in a really exquisite way. Ah. And the dog looked so cute and so nice. And I was proud of it. And no, I didn't take pictures because fuck it, I can't take the time to go through the frustration of photography right now. I just get so upset when it, it's, it's hard to get a good picture. It's not worth that extra stress on me. I don't take many pictures anymore. You don't get a picture. I'm sorry. I have to take my word. It was exquisite. (laughs) It was a great example of two local groomers working together to provide service to a good client. She booked two appointments with me. We were all out. She was all up front about it. I just want two appointments and I'm going back to Crystal. Fine. I'm okay with that. I need the money. I love doing Westies. I enjoyed brucing up her Westie. I enjoyed collaborating with Crystal. It was cool. I have a collaboration. 
Yeah. It's a Bichon that gets groomed at the vet hospital I used to work at. But the dog only gets done every eight weeks, but her nails need to be done every three weeks. So I do the nail trims in between for 35 bucks each. And I don't have to do a whole groom and I make as much, almost as much as I would if I did the full groom. Well, not quite, but close. It's a good deal. That's cool. It doesn't take any time and there's some extra moolah. And it keeps Loretta at Pet Care happy. So I'm not taking her client because she does a beautiful job on this dog and I don't really need another dog, although the lady would love to not have to take the dog somewhere. But there just isn't room. I can't do everybody's dog, but I'm happy to stop by and do the nails. Hey, let's take a break and we're going to talk about whether big dogs are profitable and just a little bit about what it takes to be a big dog groomer. Did you know that Stasco has come out with a couple of new products? First, there is the Stasco Oatmeal Protein Conditioner. This conditioner provides exceptional body and manageability and super shiny finishes. And it has a wonderful apple scent that I love. Great in the recirculator too. And they have a new matching protein conditioning spray, dematting, anti-static conditioning, and finishing all in one, just like the original Stasco spray, but with that delicious apple fragrance. Look for these new products at trade shows and your favorite distributors like Cascade Grooming Supplies. Hey, Susie, I've been using the three uh, Stasco oatmeal um products on most of my dogs everybody that's not hypo doesn't need a hypo and i love those products i've used them on bichons and been able to scissor well after the product i used them on uh mark on my maltese yesterday got a bath and he's just like a glorious cloud of white floating around my house uh, as he barks at everything so <laughs> Always oh, good to have a good physical image to kind of counteract the audio. Anyway, I've just found it to be an extremely versatile when you need a one size fits all thing. Boy, this is a good product line. And I I, I happen to appreciate oatmeal and the value it adds to a hair product because it's such an excellent moisturizer and it's also a prebiotic. So it helps to restore the health of the animal's um, own natural biome on the skin. So it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> you know, I also have been almost exclusively using the Stasco Oatmeal Conditioner when I need a conditioner because, well, we all know I like the way it smells. It's apple-y. It smells delicious. And then I follow it up with the apple oatmeal spray with a little bit of the Max thrown in just to give it a little bit extra power. And that combination is the cat's pajamas. I don't happen to have any of the shampoo right now. So I'm using, you know, from my other arsenal for the shampoo. But if I need a conditioner, it's my go-to. And it smells delightful and it never adds drying time because I really can't afford extra drying time in my situation in the trailer. Now, so have you used show season apple cider vinegar shampoo with the Stasco oatmeal conditioner? Indeed I have. And it's just Me too. really nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice combo. If we may 
Mary companies here. That's a good one. <laughs> I agree. And that apple cider vinegar shampoo really surprised me. It's got a nice smell and it's a really good clarifier. I mean, I know we're not supposed to have squeaky clean hair. It makes the hair just so nice and clean and then follow it up with that Stazco conditioner and then a little of the spray on. Oh my gosh, it's really nice qualities. It just leaves really good hair. So I'm enjoying all of that. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. We had a question on our Facebook group about whether it was really worth it to do big dogs in mobile and how to price them. And I thought about it, and it really is a good question. But I was, you know, kind of feeling a little spunky this morning. And so I thought, I'll just ask AI to write the introduction to this segment. So I did. And it was kind of fun. But I want you guys to know I didn't write this, but I'm reading it. <laughs> I don't want to misrepresent AI transparency. Good for you. Yes, it doesn't sound like me. That's why I'm saying it. But it is beautifully written. Today, we're going to be discussing whether grooming big dogs is profitable. Grooming big dogs can be a challenge, but it can also be very rewarding. Big dogs typically require more time and effort to groom than smaller dogs, but they also tend to be more expensive. This means groomers who specialize in big dogs can charge more for their services. So is big dog grooming profitable? The answer is yes, it can be. However, it's important to factor in the time and effort required to groom big dogs before making the decision about whether to specialize in this area. Boom! Well written by AI. I couldn't have said it better myself. I have given up most of my big dogs, but a lot of my small dog people have big dogs. And then my family went out and got big dogs, and then I have to do them. And so it turns out as I look at my client base that I do have a lot more big dogs than I thought I did that I didn't get rid of, although not a lot of doodles and not a lot of haircuts in my big dogs, but a lot of baths and de-sheds and profile trims and that sort of thing. You were mobile. Did you do big dogs when you were mobile? You know, I don't remember doing big dogs in that mobile unit. Good question. <laughs> it was a while ago. You ponder that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about being mobile and what you specialize in. The truth is there are so many clients and not a lot of mobile groomers. A lot of people try to be a mobile groomer and it just turns out not to be them. So there's a hardcore base of groomers that are mobile groomers and there's always room for more, but there's always far more demand than there is supply. I have never seen it be met yet in any big metro area. I mean, it might be in the country, but out where there's any population at all, there is never enough mobile groomers. So you have this beautiful opportunity to pick and choose the dogs you'd like to do. Some people more pick and choose an area. I pick and choose the dogs, the individuals. Therefore, I have these big dogs that are still in my client base. I think- it all over. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's important if you're going to make money doing big dogs that you have big dog equipment. So let's talk about some of the things that might be really helpful. I think probably the thing that I need the most is my bathing system, my bathing beauty. It's vital to making it a doable thing because, well, let's face it, I'm 61 and my hands are 80. That I was a gymnast for 
18 years and I did lots of damage to my wrists and my thumbs and my feet, but that's a whole nother subject. But my fingers don't point the way they used to. My hands don't function. Hey, and getting older is an adventure. Let me tell you, I now wake up with my thumb joint dislocating every morning. I have to make it work and it finally goes back in a joint. It's an adventure. It's fun, but it isn't for the faint of heart. <laughs> I sleep with thumb braces. Yeah, it doesn't hurt or anything. It's just weird. <laughs> it goes click, 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 click. Anyway, yeah, just oddities that happen when your bones are all deteriorating. But because of that, I don't want to add to the wear and tear of trying to wash big dogs because there's a lot of geography there, a lot of space. So I have a bathing beauty and I wouldn't be without it. How about you? Does that help? Well, if you did big dogs. <laughs> well, there were two things that I needed because I wouldn't be without the bathing beauty. In fact, I did work without the bathing beauty one dog this week. And I only had two dogs to groom. And I started and I thought, eh, I won't hook up the bathing beauty. They're small dogs. I'll just do them by hand. I did the one dog. I overconditioned it. Took forever to dry. I said, I am never going to do this again. <laughs> I promise you, Barbara. You don't have to do this again. Just hook up that thing. I hooked it up. Next dog was that Westy, and I just breezed through it. It's just such a big difference. So I needed my bathing beauty. And the other thing I needed for big dogs was my handy big boy rolling 48-inch table with a lips. And I still, even for our medium to large, and we still have bearded collies, which are big, I need to have a rolling table that rolls up to the tub and then is hydraulic and can be lowered and raised. Yeah, let's talk lowering and raising. That has made such a big difference in my life. I never had a table that went all the way down. I've been working on my hand V regular hydraulic table from 1998 all this time until it broke last year. So now I have a table that goes all the way down to the ground. The dogs hop on it. They're so willing to get on the table when it was so difficult to get them into my waist-high bathtub prior to that. So very important to have a way to get in. Now, when I worked at the vet hospital, I had a really spectacular shoreline tub that had a ramp and a walkthrough. And I appreciated that with the exception of I always caught my apron on the handle of the walkthrough area. That was the only thing I didn't like, but otherwise it had a ramp, a great system that you could do small dogs with so that you're not bending over and washing dogs in the bottom of your bathtub, which I think is also important. My bathtub now is waist high, so I don't have any, or boob high, I should say. It's boob high. So getting big dogs into the bathtub has always been difficult for me, but then I broke the table and got this new table that goes all the way down and you just push the button and the dogs go, and then I clear off the walkway. I take one of my shampoo caddies down. The dogs can walk right into the bathtub. And it has made my life so much easier that I don't resent these big dogs anymore. It's not their fault they're big. Well, yeah, they can't open the dog food themselves and they don't get to choose how big they grow. The fact that I was like being less than excited to see them over the small dogs. I didn't like that. It's not me. So now I'm happy to see everybody again because I can get them to the bathtub easily. A dryer is another thing that you really have to have for big dogs. And I feel strongly that it should be a good HV dryer that has a little bit of hot motor heat kind of thing, not necessarily a heated dryer, 
but definitely a hot dryer. That didn't make any sense. Well, you want to make sure it produces some heated air. Yeah, you want air with heat, especially if you're going to do any big doodles. But I have hot and cold options. So where you can do hot for a while and then cool off and not just have it get hotter and hotter and hotter as continue going. Yeah. For me, it's one motor or two motors. If I use the motor that's closest to the end of the dryer and it's sucking in the air quickest, that motor's a little cooler than the interior motor of my canine too. So I'll do two motors and then the nozzle attachment makes such a difference. So if I'm only using one motor on a big dog, I'm going to use a cone nozzle to try and amplify that a little bit. But because it's been very hot. Well, so I've rediscovered ionic drying recently. I, I sort of dismissed that. And then in my study of hair, I gained an appreciation that this blowing ions into the hair as a way to increase the hydrophobic nature of your hair, which is the natural way that it is. And that tends to get reduced during the washing process. So that when you dry with an ionic dryer, it's creating negative ions that attach to your hair and make the finish really nicer. So I noticed the big difference with my brush dryer that's an ionic dryer. And I'm thinking, God, this dryer just makes my ears like satin. And I'm saying, Yvonne, I want you to always use this brush dryer on the ears and on tails that have just have a tendency to be frizzy. That brush dryer just leaves the tail looking beautiful and also very trimmable. And what is the difference? Because that dryer doesn't have very much oomph at all. It does have heat but it has ions. So I am again impressed with ionic drying and I seek that out. They don't have an ionic HV dryer yet, do they? I haven't seen one. Yeah, I, I know my, my stand dryer, my stand dryer is ionic. It has a setting where you can go ionic or not. Okay. Um, but you know, like, I use the brush dryer just as a finishing tool. So, you know, like it takes way too long to totally dry a dog with that brush dryer. But if they are a little toy thingy, brittle legs, scary little piece of shit, uh, <laughs> the brush dryer is a good option. Or if you just want to finish a groom with it, it helps leave a really great finish. Yeah, for those big dogs, the, the doodles, especially for the ears and tail, I think those brush riders do a pretty good job. You mentioned your big boy table, and I also worship the lips over the table grooming support system. Yeah, I wouldn't groom without uh, an over the table support system, and the lips is the one. For me, because it uses links, you can find the exact place that's right for you with that dog. It also holds 165 pounds. So if you're going to do big dogs and you want to keep them secure, a lot of those dogs use their weight to push us around. Well, that's not very economical if we're struggling with the dogs the whole time we're grooming them. But the lip table support makes it so that you don't have to 
And we have an elderly bearded collie that in full coat that we groom every two weeks. And she's fat. And she's arthritic. And she's uncomfortable in her rear end. And I have a, an especially wide flank strap that I use to hold her up. And actually, it's like I keep my hand under her. You know, it's it gives her a way to relax and let her weight go into the... Uh, strap and still be standing and groomable and we actually groom her back end with the strap and then let her sit down and groom the rest of her so I can't imagine my life before Hanvey uh, lip system I don't know how I ever did it. And I, I remember grooming on stationary tables, big dogs, getting them to put their paws up and boosting them up. And that was it. And, oh, man. I'm still a stationary table, but it's definitely much easier when you've got one that goes up and down. So you can get the dog at the right height for grooming the dog. Like you can drop it way down and work on the top of the head. I could never do that because my bathtub's way up high and my table wasn't sturdy enough because it was a single post hydraulic table and it shook like crazy. The dogs would get up there and it'd be like. (laughs) And then the more frightened they get, the more the whole thing shakes. And then you have to lean into it with all of your weight. Yeah, that was the trick. Along with the -the over-the-table thing, good grooming loops. Because that's a lot of weight to be putting on a grooming loop if the dog wants to lean off the table. So I like the fixed ring grooming loops that you can also attach to the grooming post that is the lip system. I like the jelly. They're grooming loops with a fixed ring and a fixed clasp. And they have a clasp that locks and then it's got a piece that goes over the class so it can't flip up it can't flip open and it secures the dog and they can't pull out of the their neck out of that grooming loop it's so good and you know like those loops are more expensive but they are so practical and so worth it (laughs) i always felt that big dogs were a good money maker because a lot of them don't require as much work and you know what if you're not into scissoring and styling and all of that you can be a fully employed groomer just doing big dogs and d sheds and trim around the butthole <laughs> and yep you got applause for that minimum amount of work. You don't have to be the world's greatest at scissoring. You don't have to know your breed profiles. You just need to be able to work with a big meat and a lot of hair. You also have to be aware that these dogs are big and some of them do like to wrestle. So you want to be a little bit able to withstand getting a paw to the leg or a dog wrestling with you while you're doing a nail trim because some of them think that's fun, especially dogs from older owners. You're selling your body a little bit when you're doing these big dogs because it is more wear and tear than doing little dogs. And as you get older, that might actually have an effect. But you know what makes it all better 
is the amount of money you can charge because they can't do these dogs at home. They're not comfortable lifting them into the bathtubs. The dogs try to run away. It's really a great opportunity, like you were saying. But in the grooming industry, there is a wide range of how people decide how to price. And with big dogs, you really want to be thoughtful. Now, I'll describe a little bit about how I do pricing. In my mind, I calculate at this point, it's probably $100 an hour in my head for a mobile grooming visit. Minimum charge for an hour and a half. And that includes my talking time because, you know, we all know I never shut up. <laughs> so I have to actually kind of write that in. I don't like to punish people for my stories, but I also do realize I have value to my time. So I don't tell them necessarily I'm pricing hourly, but I figure my price hourly. That way, you're not tied into a specific price necessarily, especially on that very first visit where you don't know what you're getting at all. It's a big surprise. If you quote them $100 an hour and then you do the dog one time, then you kind of have a ballpark of what you're going to be next time. I probably won't bring up that hourly price again, but I know in my head that's what I'm getting and making sure that I'm getting that much because if you're not getting enough money, it's not worth the amount of time you're giving up. I go by time plus effort. And that goes for little dogs too, because there are little dogs that take a whole lot of effort. Like this happy little Cavalier Spaniel mix that I did yesterday. Her whole modus operandi is being wiggly and happy. And she just doesn't stand still well at all. And she just doesn't focus well at all because she's just so happy you know and her tail is wagging so much that you have to grab it and hold it and and then she's offended that you're holding her tail and you have to hold her tail still in order to, to scissor her the backside so You've just given me a whole new appreciation for my hairdresser because I'm exactly like that. I never stop moving. The minute she steps away, I spin in the chair. She's always telling me, lift your head or go this way or that way because I'm constantly looking the wrong place. Uh, yeah, you would be a trip. It's annoying, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's time plus effort plus skill. I add a little bit extra for my really good breed profile grooming. And I'm going to raise my price again for my breed profile grooming because I spent a lot of time nailing that. And that that study time, that practice time, that being criticized time, that all counts. It does. There's a couple other ways that groomers tend to price one of them is by breed, and I just don't feel that's a great way to do big dogs. I don't because there's such a wide variety of within each breed of. No, yeah, you know, and you, 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 you know, like actually, you need in your work schedule, you need some easy money, you need some gravy. We cannot be forcing ourselves to work like a donkey for every dollar that we earn. You need some cush, <laughs> a little, you know, a little green cushion, economic cushion in there. You need some easy gravy money. 
And that can be a large, short-coated dog that has an odor problem and does real well with a vinegar rinse. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes. Yeah. The other way I often hear people price is weight. And I think that's equally as bad an idea. I don't think either weight or breed is a good way to do big dogs. I think you've got to do it hourly. You can have a range, you know, like I I don't post prices because I, I'm a small business. I can individually price a dog by their individual qualities. But, you know, I know that most of my small dogs are in the $75 area. And then my breed profiles are going, my terriers are going into the $75, $85 area. I I don't want to overgeneralize and get caught doing something that's really hard for a price that's not worth it because I posted it or something, you know? No, I'm sorry. Plus, it makes you hate your job. What makes you love your job is being well compensated and appreciated. It makes you hate difficult dogs, and you shouldn't hate the difficult dogs. That's just another thing that's wrong in our industry is that we get angry at the dogs for behaving the way they behave. And when you're under stress and you're underpaid, you get really mad at these dogs that make things difficult. And they're just doing their doggy thing. If they're being difficult, think about why they might be being difficult. That's exactly right. That's what we do with behavior cases is you assess why they're being difficult because they're not doing it out of spite. They're not doing it to be mean. They're doing it because they hurt or they're afraid or they're uncomfortable in some other way. And you've got to address that. And I, you know, and I talked with the uh, the owner of the Silly Wiggly Cavalier yesterday, and I said, you know, this being friendly, overly friendly and happy is her modus operandi. It's how she gets by because the the woman said she goes to daycare and all of the other dogs in the daycare are large dogs. And Molly gets along with the large dogs because she's very submissive and she lays on her back and wags her tail like this and they are not going to hurt her. You know, and so she translates that into every place. She's just like, oh, I'm just a happy, wiggly, hot eye, cute puppy, you know, and it's worked for her. Yeah, it works for her. Works for her. And and so, you know, this owner is going to training classes and um, and is real willing to work. And so, uh, you know, that's, um, that's such a good thing because the, it, for everything, every problem you have on your table, there's a reason the dog is that way. It's true. All right. Well, I encourage you to make a specialty and if big dogs are your thing, there's a spot for you in the industry, and you can make it profitable. Let you. I I wish that we groomers knew each other's favorite and least favorite things. Groom dogs to groom, you know. Like I would like to have more terriers. 
I need. I would like my community to know that I want more terriers, so that that if they don't want to do a terrier, they can send it to me. I. I mean, I think we. I think we need to get acquainted more, and know each other's specialties and each other's. You know what you don't want to do. Because one person's trash is another person's treasure, right? Right. <laughs> Let's hear from our next sponsors, and then we'll do our fascinating Beebird's Classroom segment, which is all about vinegar. Chris Bear Anthony here, visiting the Groom Pod. So if you know me, you know how much I love my Evolution shears. They are the only shears I actually use. So check out all the options, including customizable non-swivels, at evolutionshears.com and give Abby a shout with any questions you might have. GroomPod listeners get $10 off and free shipping with the code GroomPod. So check them out today. Your hands will thank you. Sometimes my clients don't like a walking air freshener. When these crazy people request a scent-free option, I go right to show season. Show season true tearless shampoo and hypo conditioner fit the bill. They are totally fragrance-free and yet hold up on their own as good products. True Tearless has been expertly formulated to be gentle to the eyes, skin, and hair while maintaining good cleaning power. Hypo conditioner is a great option as well, and it's one of our favorite conditioners with or without fragrance. So let's get fragrance-free. Use True Tearless and Hypo Conditioner from Show Season today. Go to showseasongrooming.com. Groomers, take your seats. It's time for Bee Bird's Classroom. Barbara, tell us about vinegar. Well, I've been revisiting the benefits of vinegar and uh, reappreciating vinegar in my own grooming establishment. And I, it is both an excellent cleaning slash disinfectant and a therapeutic thing, item, possibility. <laughs> so let's, well, it has both, It you know, here's the deal. I think I copied that from President Biden. Here's the deal. Now everybody's saying that. I don't know if I want to say that or not, but uh, here's what I've found. Um, the... In the component of vinegar that makes it both a cleaning and a therapeutic agent is the acetic acid. It's actually the acidity. So, so it's it's not the magic of the vinegar. It's just that it's an acid. It's a pretty strong acid, but not. I'm going to say it's a mild acid. I'm going to I'm take that back. It's a mild acid, but it has effects on some of the microbes, of the bad shit in our environment that is causes infections and creates difficulty in uh, maintaining a clean and sanitary environment. For example, our 
invisible enemy, Pseudomonas aeruginosa. What is so ugly about this bacterium is that it has antibiotic resistance. It is a very resistant pathogen. It's everywhere in our environments, and it's especially everywhere where there's water. And that would be our bathing area and drying area because we're spraying water off. So um, the, the water contains the Pseudomonas aeruginosa. It is going to try to survive in a means that it has of protecting itself against being killed off. So it's, it's become resistant against a lot of common cleansers, disinfectants, and antibiotics. And when it when Pseudomonas aeruginosa establishes an infection, it can be lethal. Ed, it can lead to death. You know, you bring this up right now, and, and what's happening in the eye drops is Pseudomonas aeruginosa. That's what's killing people and blinding them in the eye drops right now, the big recall. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's Pseudomonas aeruginosa is not something to be trifled with or to dismiss be, just because we know it's there and it's prevalent. It's it's nasty. It's, it's nasty. It's nasty, you know, and its resistance to antimicrobials, its resistance to antibiotics, to topical cleansers. You know, it's just, uh, it has survived um, partly because we've overused some of these, um, some of these things. But the key here is that it is not resistant to vinegar. Oh, really? That's so kind of nice. It's, it's just not. It, it, you know, and vinegar has been used for thousands of years as a cleanser and a disinfectant and wound treatment. Now it's being re, it's a resurgent of use of vinegar in burn units because the main thing that kills people after they get burned is the infection, the secondary infections that uh, come in and stay and end up killing the person, like the Pseudomonas, like the MRSA. Vinegar kills the MRSA. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Vinegar is very effective at killing any of the gram-negative bacteria, which are not killed by other common disinfectants, which are missed by, they, they, they just don't. And so, um, and it can be effective at very mild dilutions. So it has been shown to be effective at um, 0.5 to 5%. So 5% is pretty much full strength household white vinegar. And 0.5 is like, Five tenths of one, one half of one percent. So you can dilute 
the acidic acid, the vinegar, um, quite a bit, and it will still maintain its effectiveness. And um, is it something? Also, is it something that you need to leave on contact and let it dry? It there's not a lot of information about that, but mostly the way that it's used in therapies is in 10 to 15 minute contact. Although I have read that it is effective against pseudomotus for less time than that. Um, in the tub, and when you're washing out your bathing beauty or your recirculating system, I recommend five minutes and that you use the five minutes to hose down and clean the whole tub area with that vinegar solution that you've got washing through the bathing beauty. So you can even put it on a rag and clean the outside of the tub while it's, you know, while you're doing your five minutes of you know, disinfecting the bathing beauty. I recommend five minutes. Take your time. And I now I've started using vinegar. Can be vinegar has become so popular as a household cleaning agent that it can be hard to find. You can find empty shelves. I've had it happen at Target over and over. No, you know, and I'm not going to buy a little half gallon for some five dollar amount forget that i'll give you a tip you can go to the grocery supply stores the re or sorry the restaurant supply stores around here we have one called cash and carry i think they might be national and you don't ha necessarily have to have a business to go in there they always have vinegar and it's reasonably priced and you don't need anything special to shop there so that's a, a key there well i have just started using 30% vinegar. It's considerably more expensive, like $20 a gallon is a good price. But you can use a little bit to go a long, long way, or you have the option of creating a stronger, more, more acid um, substance that's going to be more effective at at killing while cleaning. I would not use that as a therapy. For, for Let's talk about therapy for a minute because you might be surprised to learn that vinegar is also antifungal. It is not just antibacterial, it is antifungal. And it has been used as foot soaks for fungal, problems of the feet and I'm going to use it because I have toenail fungus and I'm going to start today a little experiment I'm going to use the the 30% I'm going to dilute it down I'll let you know how much I you end up using I'm going to soak my feet 10 minutes a day from now until when we go on our trip and then and I'm going to take before and after pictures I don't know if you'll be able to see what I see, but my toenails, they don't look, they're not the worst, but they're yellowish. They haven't recovered from the, the winter blot. My, I mean, I get 
blue toes in the in the wintertime. I have a circulation, something going on. My toes fall apart in the wintertime. So I'm going to try doing this because I read that it that uh, vinegar is effective against toenail fungus. And wouldn't that just be a cheap and easy and pleasant way? I'm just like not too impressed. I just don't, I don't like to use a lot of medicines. Here's an interesting thing. My horse has thrush when it's wintry, right? And there's a billion lotions and potions and ways to treat thrush. I poured hydrogen peroxide on her foot, which I happen to have a lot of. I just poured it on her foot once a week. The thrush was gone in three weeks. Okay, well, before we get too inclined to use <laughs> to use hydrogen peroxide, I have to state that the downside of hydrogen peroxide is that it kills tissue that are needed for wound healing and replacing damaged skin. It has a side effect. Um, vinegar, it's debatable. It might have suppression of healing, but it's not been replicated and validated as such. So that it's kind of, it seems to be more healing. Well, I was more pointing out the fact that they want us to use these very expensive concoctions when oftentimes something like vinegar will work. Yep. I and actually they are going to have to change their minds because the bacterium are becoming so resistant and nothing's working. And when you've got hospitalized patients with in a burn unit, you can't be using something, you know, you can't be going through all these antibiotics and this doesn't work and then that doesn't work. They're going right now. They're just like study with, they're just like, soaking bandages, soaking sterile gauze pads in vinegar and applying that for 15 minutes a day on the burn area. And people say, well, doesn't that sting and burn? No, not if it's diluted to the proper, you know, dilutions. You don't have to use it full strength to be effective. It can be soothing in dilution. Good to know. Is there anything else we should know about vinegar? Very, you know, like I also use white vinegar in a spray to clean out my cages and clean the the metal grates of cages because it doesn't rust. It doesn't, you know, it, it the smell goes away quickly within an hour or so it's really very safe and very effective for cleaning cages without leaving a chemical residue of any kind so i i just really uh, appreciate and by the way it's also good as a final rinse on a dog that has odor problems just and it is and Acetic acid is the core of vinegar. How about apple cider vinegar? How about apple cider vinegar? 
Apple cider vinegar is also acetic acid. It's the same stuff. It's a little bit milder, a little bit less acidic. It's more so most white vinegars are 2.4 pH, which is really fairly high up the pH. I mean, the lower the pH, the stronger the acidity. Farther away from seven. But apple cider vinegar is like 3.5. So that's a good um, 10 times less acidic. Yeah, that's a considerable jump. It has, but the the apple cider vinegar has the mojo. <laughs> I have actually turned around a couple of really before, and this was when I was being a holistic groomer and before I knew anything, I turned around a couple of really bad ear infections with apple cider vinegar. Me too. Because people would come in enough that I could just uh, really work that down in there and I cleared up really persistent ears things on two occasions. So that was my own personal experience. I I prefer that, although salicylic acid is acid, boric acid is acid, those things are antibacterial. And for those of you who are fixated with the natural moniker, this is a product that's pretty natural if you want to. You can't get to, I mean, white vinegar, it's distilled. That's it. I mean, and so are essential oils, distilled, right? Steam, they're, they're created by the use of steam. So distilled white vinegar, it, it's, it's more sterile than apple cider vinegar, but apple cider vinegar has kind of the all the other little elements that might encourage healing or maybe not. They haven't they haven't been able to extract the elements of the apple cider vinegar mojo and test each one of those, you know, somehow independently. It's just defies science. It sounds a little tough. <laughs> You're still gonna get you you'll be you will be able to use apple cider vinegar and get a result, although you might get a better result with white vinegar. And I, and apple cider vinegar is more expensive. I would just use distilled white vinegar, and I'm giving this, uh, I bought four gallons of this 30% um, vinegar, white vinegar to use as cleaning because I just got a, I've got a lot of cleaning to do. And I and I think that I'm not going to use that as a rinse. When it comes to like using the vinegar as a rinse on my dogs, I'm using the household vinegar five percent diluted. And don't forget to give the apple cider vinegar shampoo from Show Season a try because it's really nice. I'm going to use this cleansing vinegar in my bathing beauty because when we when we clean the bathing beauty we're we're drawing water like a gallon or a gallon and a half of water to work through the bathing beauty and then we need to have maybe a little bit stronger acetic acid in that solution so i think maybe the 30 percent is gonna you know an ounce of that is gonna be like four ounces of the other stuff. Yeah, it sounds like a good deal. 
All right. Well, remember to sign up for Barbara's webinar, which is coming on June 19th through PositiveEd.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Happy grooming, everybody. See you next week on the Groom Pod. Bye. Take care of yourselves because you know we love you.